0: Hey everyone, welcome to News & Brews Sports Biz, our podcast series that advocates for the financial voices in college athletics and features new developments impacting the business of college sports. I'm Ken Kerdzel.
1: And I'm Katie Davis. Joining us today is client, friend, and podcast fan, Angela Pittman. She's the Senior Associate Athletics Director for Financial Operations at Ole Miss. Welcome, Angela.
2: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to, to do this. We're excited to have you here.
0: Yes, we are. So, Angela, we wanted to start off by hearing a little bit about your background, uh, maybe your career path at Ole Miss, and what gets you up in the morning?
2: So, my background is probably atypical for college athletics. I did not set out on a career path to work in athletics. It just ended up working out um, perfectly. I actually grew up in Oxford, where Ole Miss is located, went ahead and, and I got my undergraduate degree and my bachelor's degree in accounting, both from Ole Miss. And so I've been here since the day I came into this world. Um, I thought, you know, when we went through all the job interviews and placement after college, I thought for sure, you know, when they asked you the question in your interview, where will you be 10 years from now in your career? Well, I was going to be a partner in a big five accounting firm, which sort of gives away my age because now I think there's three core. <laughs> Um, you know, that's what I thought I would always do. And instead, I decided that I would stay in Oxford to stay close to family. And I worked for a couple of years for a tiny accounting firm um, doing just individual tax and bookkeeping and write up work. And I had some relationships with some accountants um, on campus, just obviously Oxford's a small town, campus is small. Um, And there was an opening in the university's accounting office a couple of years after I finished school. So um, I came into the university's accounting office and loved it. It was a great experience. I did unrelated business income tax and sales tax, and then whatever, um, cash reconciliation, obviously, you know, right out of college, and then whatever small projects they needed sort of got assigned to me. Um, so during that time, specifically with the tax piece of it, I worked a good bit with athletics. Uh, John Hartwell was the CFO at the time for the athletics department, he's AD now at Utah State, I believe. And so we had a good working relationship, he decided that he needed to add sort of a a number two position um, to the office, because he was functioning as CFO and and deputy. So, you know, obviously, when you when you reach that level in administration, there's not as much time as we've talked about before, to do accounting. And (laughs) so he really wanted to get someone here um, to do that assist with that. And I interviewed and I think what he saw was, had existing relationships on campus. I knew how to use the university's accounting software. I understood purchasing rules, et cetera, And I ultimately got the job in 2009, which was fantastic. I grew up a sports fan. Um, that photo that y'all can see behind me, the listeners can't see, is actually our original basketball arena. You know, growing up in Oxford, I was in that arena two days a week. That was before basketball was on TV. Sometimes even men's and women's basketball would have um, double headers. So I spent a lot of time, you know, in that place, and love love sports. That you know, if in college I'd been able to project where I was going to be, you know, ten years later, while it wouldn't have been on my radar, it would it would have been an amazing opportunity. Um, and so John left to go be AD at Troy, and Ross was looking for Ross Bjork with our athletics 2012, and when he left. Um, Ross gave me a shot at this, which was awesome because I was still pretty green. You know, I was still new and just three years in, I think with the department, but um, it's been a fantastic experience. I mean, marrying the love of sports with the love of accounting, which is a weird thing to love, but I do love accounting. um, there's not a lot you could ask for. And we use a lot of interns and graduate assistants that, that come through our offices. And it is amazing how many of have gone on to say, not taking the public accounting route. I, I want to do athletics. I want to do this accounting thing there is a, there is a fun side, you know, there can be a fun side to accounting. So that's ultimately how I ended up here. I, I didn't set out to be in this office, but I'm very grateful to be in it. The, what gets me up in the morning, I think was the other part of the question. If you ask my husband, it would take a small earthquake most mornings <laughs> to get me up. I'm more of a night owl. Um, I like to get work done late at night. It's probably when I'm mo- my most productive. So the mornings are a little slower, but I know the true intent of the question is, you know, what, what motivates me and, and drives me and I, it's to make all Miss better. You know, I've thought about that question a little bit, i I love this place. And that's probably, again, why I'm a little different. I don't anticipate that I'm going to ever leave and go work for another college athletics department. And you see that in athletics. And I love that about athletics. We work with new people all the time. There's a constant cycle of new employees, new ideas, new thoughts around you um, when people do kind of move over and up and about and, you know, to different schools. Um, But I love this place. And, you know, wins and losses or emotional for me about this place because my whole life has been tied to this campus. And so that's without question, what gets me up in the morning, what can I do today to make Ole this better? Yeah, that's,
1: that's a really great question. And I mean, I know you had a lot, um, to do probably influence in making Ole Miss better in being one of the first schools to award cash payments to athletes following the Supreme Court's reversal of the Alston case. Um, So congratulations on that. I think that's awesome. Um, What were some keys to success um, from your experience? And I know it didn't take just you, but it was a lot of people on campus um, that worked together to make this happen. So what were some of the keys to success there?
2: When when the Austin ruling occurred, I think it was in June, I recognized immediately, one, obviously, this is a huge deal for our student athletes, but that two, schools who could get ahead of it would have a competitive advantage. Um, and we wanted to put it in place just as, as soon as we could. There was no reason to wait once, you know, the ruling occurred. And our athletics director, Keith Carter, was actually a basketball player at Ole Miss when I was in school. And all of his decisions that he makes, or most of them as an athletics director, I think go back to his experience as being a player here, a student athlete here. He understands the student athlete experience. And because of that, most of his decision making is how how do we make that experience better? What can we do that is in the best interest of our student athlete and and benefits them and helps them the most. And he challenged us early on, I want to get out of the gate quickly. I want to do it the right way, but I want us to get out of the gate quickly. And so um, right away, we formed an Austin working group that was internal. Initially, we included um, representatives, obviously, from the business office, compliance, our legal department, academics, the Athletics Foundation, Um, sports administration it was probably a group seven eight ten of us um, to start the conversations okay one what benefits do we want to provide two who do we want to provide them to and three um, what are the benefits that that we're going to provide and and Keith wanted to be aggressive with it it wasn't oh, we're only going to give it to scholarship athletes, or we're only going to do it for one sport. He wanted every single student athlete here to get this benefit, regardless of scholarship status, which I loved. And and that was our charge. And so the biggest key, I think, was one, the meeting early, but meeting often. I mean, every week we are around the table together and we're discussing it. And the initial step, I think we develop a policy. We knew we had to have a policy around it, that our state laws were going to require it as far as procurement of, you know, different things, or, or even just writing the checks to the student athletes, and then to have a plan on how to execute it. Once we had a plan um, moving forward, we involved our campus partners from financial aid, the procurement office and bursar's office to determine the best way to execute the plan and to make sure that we were gonna be within all university policies, state policies, federal policies, just to really get their blessing on it. I think that's always helpful when there's a major change like Austin that if your campus partners are part of the plan they're, they're so much more willing, it seems, to assist and go along with, with it and be a part of it. Because not only was this a big deal for Ole Miss Athletics to be the, the first school uh, to, to give these cash benefits to student athletes, it's a big deal for the entire university. I mean, that's something as well that they can hang their hat on. Anytime that you can kind of lead the way on something as monumental monumental as that, um, I think everybody appreciates that they can, that they can be a part of it. So and then we obviously involved y'all's assistance, you know, in some of the looking at, you know, I think you were with us one meeting, um, Ken, where, you know, it was maybe an initial meeting even with financial aid and all of our campus partners to talk through what are going to be some of the things that could stop this payment. What are what are the what are the things that we need to consider before we before we move forward with this? And I think that that was was really beneficial. We did have um, the the Mississippi public colleges and universities are governed by one system, and so there was one bylaw that was on the systems um, in the systems bylaws that that had to have some adjusting to it, and they were on board with that, as obviously it benefited all of the the institutions uh, in the system. And so we did that, and then you know working with our financial aid office for how do we report this? Is it on a ten ninety eight? Is it is there a different mechanism for reporting you know how does cost of attendance factor into it how are we going to disperse the payments if they owe for a parking ticket on their you know account does it need to pay for that before checks are you know issued and we worked all the way through it and I think having those scheduled weekly meetings that kind of force you to stay on track with that 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 was a big part of it too there's there's a lot that's changed in the last couple of years in college athletics. You know, we were kind of business as usual for a long time, and then COVID hit, and then you're trying to survive a a pandemic, navigate it financially, and and obviously with the health of your student-athletes and their well-being being at the forefront of the decisions that you make. But then as soon as we can kind of catch our breath from COVID, here we are with NIL and with Austin and with all these different things. So that's why I think that, you know, having that structured time to work through it and to take that at least one hour as a unit, Hey, let's all talk about this together. I think that was, I think that was critical for us into making it happen.
0: No, that's great. And that's a great recap of you're right. I had a small window into that with some of the discussions you had. And I think you all did a great job collaborating and getting everybody that you needed to, in the conversation with and and what was impressive was everybody was on they knew the destination everybody wanted the same thing wanted the same to the same goals to be met and how to work that through both from a legal standpoint like you mentioned the Mississippi law that had to be slightly adjusted uh you know to deal with one aspect of that so um that's that's really a great example of collaboration and getting the right people in the conversation so Um, From what we can tell, and Katie and I pay a fair amount of attention to what schools are doing this past year with NIL and really the education aspect of it, uh, it appears to us that Ole Miss was really one of the first schools to incorporate a heavy emphasis on the tax education side within that NIL program, because I know you all were talking about that, you know, right after NIL went into place. Actually
2: before. Or even before, (laughs) actually. You're right. It was even
0: before July 1st. So. Um, so while I know you're not heavily involved in NIL, can you share a little bit about what you're doing as a CFO to help prepare the athletes and protect, the st- protect your athletes and prepare the staff um, as it relates to this area?
2: Absolutely. Um, as soon as NIL, again, we, I think we passed the law in April of 2021 to go into effect that July and this probably goes back to the couple of years that I did individual tax returns in a small town, I recognized immediately there's going to be tax implications for a large, for all of our student athletes, and they're not going to have any idea. Um, They're not going to know that there's tax implications headed their way. They're not going to know how to handle them. They're not going to know when they get a 1099 miscellaneous at the end of the year. I don't know what this is. I'm just going to throw it away. If they even take the time to open their mail or, you know, does it even get mailed to the right place? And, and, you know, in my mind, I knew early that this was something that we needed to get a handle on. There were tons of companies moving into the NIL space, but it was more about helping the student athletes develop their brand and sell their brand and, and to obviously, you know, make their NIL deals well, those companies are, they're great at branding and, and they are very good at what they do. And we love our working relationships with them, but that's what they're best at. And I, I felt like it was important for us to find a company that would be best at educating the tax component. Um, you know, I don't, um, you know, go to the car repairman to get my toothache fixed. It's just, you know, you want to find someone that that has a specialty in it. And so, um, Fowler Staines, who's the the CFO and CEO for Ole Miss Athletics Foundation, she's also an Ole Miss accounting grad. And we both felt pretty strongly about that, that we needed to get ahead of that. And then when the Supreme Court ruling happened in the Austin case, that was even more motivation for, okay, now there's two new revenue streams that very likely could create a, a tax liability for our student athletes. And we have a responsibility to start teaching them, to start educating them so that in three to five years from now, there's not an article in that's been picked up by USA Today or any publication that is about one of our student athletes that are, you know, in trouble for tax evasion or tax fraud. Um, That if, if something like that occurs, I'll feel even personally responsible if we didn't do our part to prevent it. Um, and so we reached out to y'all just to see if y'all had anything or started working on anything and immediately got a, a program developed. And um, it's been good. It, tax is, well, one, financial literacy for, for college students is difficult. I mean, they're coming out of high school. I have a, a teenager who's three years from college, and trying to envision him balancing a checkbook is difficult, much less filling out a W-9 correctly or whatever it, it may be. Um, so I think the key is going to be one repetitiveness for us showing that tax education over and over and over again. And how do you do that? How do you do that without showing the same video every time when they're like, Oh, there's Katie in that video again. In a minute, <laughs> they tune it out. It's, The education component of it is amazing. And I think it's a piece we will always continue in our current financial literacy program. But how do we apply it? They're just going to learn better that way. How do we sit down with them and show them, okay, here's how you fill out a W-9. Here's what a 1099 miscellaneous looks like. Here's what a tax return looks like. You know, I just felt like, I feel like saying to them, consult your tax expert probably is a good start but long term a lot of our student athletes mom and dad may not even have a tax accountant they may just have to fill out a 1040 ez is that still a form or 1040a whatever the simple tax return is they may not have a tax expert in their life that that can help them so how can how can we help them long-term? And so Fowler and I have been working with our School of Accountancy at Ole Miss. I'm going to give a shameless plug for the School of Accountancy. Always top 10 in the country. It's an Mm -hmm. amazing program. Um, We've been working with them and are working on the development of a program that will create clinics in the spring that will have graduate students from the School of Accounting for the students that we'll probably be encouraged, obviously, to go to and, and sit down with them and, and maybe let's look at the deals that you have. And yes, you could have a tax liability issue. And here's what we recommend or or even something as simple as teaching them how to use a spreadsheet, how to go into a Google Doc and whenever they make a new deal, you know, type it in and, and keep up with it. And, and maybe if it was in Memphis, write down the miles that you took, you know, just to give them advice on more of the organization of it. you know. I don't know that we're in a world right now where we'll do tax returns. I, I don't imagine that currently, um, but we wanna be in a world of teaching them how to get the information ready when they do go get a tax consultant or teaching them when, no, you don't have a single thing to worry about, or you know what, you need to contact a tax professional. Um, and so we're excited about that. I think it could be, um, a beneficial for both the school of accountancy, you know, and for us, as far as, you know, developing world, real world experience for those students, but then all, and giving them the opportunity to work with student athletes. I mean, who doesn't want to sit down with an athlete and say, oh, you know, I helped X player, you know, do their return. And it's not ultimately your top, you know, 2% of student athletes that you're stressed out about. They've got plenty of support, probably around the, your top earners in the NIL space. They've got plenty of support, around them typically to, you know, help them navigate the space. It's, it's your student athlete that might have one or two smaller deals and maybe they're on Pell, maybe they're not and figuring in the Austin payment and different things to make sure you're just sort of guiding them gently to here, here, here's how you move forward and here's how you track this and just helping them out. So we're, we're really super excited about that. And hopefully it will be a step towards Uh, mitigating the risk of future potential tax issues.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love how collaborative you are just with all your campus partners, whether it's, you know, working through Alston or getting your school of accounting to help with the athletes. And I think a lot of universities um, can learn from that and benefit. So I think this is going to be really valuable for your peers to listen to. And um, Speaking of your peers, um, so many people don't re- that don't work in athletics don't realize that while you're really um, competitive rivals on the field, that so many times um, your conference peers and others in the industry work really closely together um, and support each other. And it's a really great community. Um, so could you tell us some examples of how you build rapport with your peers In the conference, or even across the industry, and um, what kind of value those relationships bring to you.
2: This is um, that's a great question, and this is one of those areas that probably really came to the forefront for me during COVID. Prior to COVID, you know, the CFOs for the SEC we would meet once a year, and we would email periodically, share information with each other, but there was no true, I think, development of relationships even when you see someone once a year it's sort of difficult to do that well when covid um when we got hit with the pandemic we started meeting and it was virtually but meeting every couple of weeks really every week maybe early it was frequently in that group it's funny the personalities that are in that group they're my favorite some of my favorite humans in this world I wish we could meet in person again and I know we will and and will soon but I feel like we've made so much more progress as a group um, by having that support with each other, by sharing information, you know, where we can. And in all of our information, I think there was probably a day that people were more protective of what, how much ticket revenue did you make or, or how are you paying for this expense or, you know, different sharing of information. It's all public now. Right. And you can pull up any financial database and see what schools are investing in in their program. So I think just having the relationship, one, so you've got something in common with someone that when it's tough and during a pandemic, it was tough you knew you had a, a group around you that, um, that you could lean on as far as, you know, asking for advice, or how are you handling a specific situation? And I'll tell you, I, I, you know, growing up an Ole Miss fan, there is a school that's down the road, City <laughs> State, that, that, as the, as the fan part of Angela, you know, growing up, not, not ever happy when State was winning, but, Eric George who I know y'all know Eric well Eric and I met when he was at Texas at CADMA and he is he is there now it's been so beneficial to have someone in state who not only is following you know same NCAA rules we're in the same as you know we're both in the SEC but we're both under the same um, operating rules as far as the state of Mississippi goes with procurement and and different things different rules that you have to follow so it's it's been so beneficial having him there to, how are you, how are you doing this? Or or what is, you know, how do you get to pay for this? He's, he's been fantastic. Other than the, the jabs back and forth after games, he's, um, he's been fun, fun to work with. But um, having those relationships are, are invaluable. And I hope that even once we get through through the pandemic and through all of the changes in college athletics, I I think those relationships are going to be more critical over time. And and I think it's something that we will keep up. And just when you kind of, again, I think I said before, when you catch your breath from one change in college athletics, there's two more that come your way. So it's, it's a good time to have those relationships for sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you do have a group um that's really great within the SEC and we've been fortunate enough to get to know those personalities and um you know we definitely benefit from the entertainment factor of seeing you and Eric um <laughs> you know interact with each other and and have the friendly rivalry and and it's a lot of fun Ken and I were actually joking we'll have to do a future episode and have you both on to yes. share stories
2: <laughs> Eric yeah. it, he is he's a he's a fun human he is he makes it he's one of those and he's been great to add to the conference CFOs as well he brings you know he was ACC that's right he was Clemson so he brings you know ideas from what they were doing too and interestingly enough in college athletics the CFO room at, at conference meetings doesn't change a lot CFOs even with changes with athletics directors CFOs, that room in the SEC has been pretty consistent outside of one or two people. So it is always fascinating when you get a new human in the group, how much the, the dynamics of the group can change. But he's been a he's been a fantastic ad, I think, in motivating us to seek change um, and to seek you know, new ideas for how to do things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think he'll appreciate the shout out. I was about to say,
2: I talk too much about Eric. We don't want this to impact (laughs) um, his ego. You can dial it back. some in your edits.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair. Well, it'll all, it'll all work out well when both of you on, as Katie said. So that'll be good. Well, Angela, as you're well aware, Katie and I love our craft beer and we like to talk about what we're getting to enjoy uh, while we're doing the podcast. And, um, Katie and I, I, know, are enjoying from one of her favorite craft breweries in the whole country, Treehouse. Uh, Katie, tell me what which one you're drinking.
1: Well, first of all, it's a Christmas miracle because they don't distribute their beer. But Ken happened to have a friend that went up there. They're in Massachusetts um, and brought some home. And so thank you for sharing you with are me. But there's... The one I have is called Evil Julius. So it's one that was made around Halloween time. Um, it's one of their double IPAs. And I mean, I'm not kidding when I say it's the best beer in the country. So <laughs> uh, very lucky to enjoy that.
0: And Angela, I know you love your sours. Uh, Can you say anything them? about what you're getting to enjoy?
2: Um, actually not today. I'm doing, I'm all of a sudden converted to high noons. The pineapple flavor specifically, so it's still sort of a, a fruity beer. But yes, typically I'm in the sour space too, and there's not really one that I that I'm not a fan of. Um, so, pineapple hainu,
0: very nice. And I'm also drinking one from Treehouse. It's called Juice Machine, uh, and it's just what it sounds like. It's a very juicy IP, double IPA. Uh, and and you're right, I can see why Katie thinks that they're the best in the country. So they are, yeah. yeah. So uh, thank you, Angela. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. And um, we wish you the best and all Miss the best. And uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, We hope everybody has a very happy holiday season. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Cheers.
1: To learn more about the James Warren Company Collegiate Athletics and Higher Education segments, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to sign up for insights to get our latest industry updates, news and events delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at JMCOHigherEd and on LinkedIn for the latest news as the landscape of collegiate athletics and higher education is continually evolving.